ladies and gentlemen, today on Small Business Horsepower, we had the pleasure of talking to Tim Gosselin. I think Tim is going to give you some great insight into a, a number of topics. One, how the market works, how being a commercial real estate agent is, the highs and lows of being a commercial real estate agent, what drives Tim to achieve what he's achieved in his career. And uh, I think you're going to find this episode really useful, and I hope that you enjoy it today on Small Business Horsepower. Welcome to our podcast today on Small Business Horsepower. Small Business Horsepower podcast, you can find it wherever you find your podcast. You can find it on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Tumblr, or again, wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I think you guys are going to be so pleased. We have with us Mr. Tim Gosselin. I call him Timmy, basically to irritate him, but and it works. But I have Tim Gosselin. You're really going to enjoy listening to Tim Gosselin. And we've got a little different format, Tim, right? Today, usually I'll do a, a podcast over Zoom with someone who's far away. Today, we decided to do a little bit of a cigar podcast. Let's get into this, where... Tim's been meaning to come over to my house and sit and check out the ocean and smoke a cigar with me. And I said, Tim, why don't you come over and we'll do a podcast while we have a cigar? So if you hear some puffs of the cigar, it's Tim and I cigar cast today on Small Business Horsepower. Tim, first of all, welcome to the program. Thank you, Mayhall. Pleasure to be here. Tim, it's our pleasure. Why don't you... Tell our listeners a little of your background. In other words, your background before you started working in real estate, like how you got to the real estate arena. Well, there's always a story, right? Every small business has a story. So my story began with my girlfriend at the time. Her and I, we moved back down to San Diego where uh, she became an office manager for a small brokerage firm. And I was in the IT industry, systems administration, desktop support, things like that. And um, and this small brokerage firm from time to time would have problems with their IT equipment and I would come in and help them out and get things fixed. And at the same time, I was in the process of getting my real estate license and Ironically, the brokers that operate the business, they were in the process of getting ready to go on a trip for several weeks, and they needed someone to maintain their portfolio, do showings, field phone calls, tour properties, etc., push deals forward that they had in process. And I knew absolutely nothing about commercial real estate at the time. They take off, and now I'm the one that's receiving the inbound calls and doing the tours, and I was able to keep uh, deals going and get interest in some of the product that they had. They come back from the trip, and... Uh, the guy offers me a job and the rest is history. You're right. Everybody has a story, right? And it's really how you take advantage of that story. You get your opportunity, you sense it, and it's really what about what you do with it, right? Well, I'll get to the market and all that later. Of course, everyone wants to, let's just get it out of the way, right? Okay. How is the market right now, right? I mean, all the listeners, they always want to know how the market is. And to me, that's really a short-term thing because it goes up and down. But I guess as a podcast host, you have to ask that question uh, before we get to the nuts and bolts. So tell our listeners here, in the, what do you see in the San Diego area and then just nationally? Like, what's your sense of this market right now? 
in commercial real estate? Well, whenever you talk about the market, you got to start with March of 2020 because COVID changed everything. Uh, the market was strong at that point, and then COVID happens, and everyone in the commercial real estate universe thought the world was going to get turned upside down as far as commercial real estate goes, and uh, it absolutely did that, but in ways that we never thought. For example, Amazon absolutely blew up during COVID. And just think about how many Amazon trucks you see, vans dropping stuff off, product in the neighborhood. And uh, so what resulted was uh, something called last mile distribution. And Amazon at one point in uh, 2020 and 2021, they consumed 30% of every industrial building that came available in the entire United States of America. So industrial just blew up as far as demand, and pricing was concerned. And then some of the other food groups of commercial real estate office, you know, office in other markets outside of San Diego has been impacted negatively. But here in San Diego, because of the life science industry, you think about COVID and now we got to make the next drug, medical device, things of that sort. So capital just flowed into the marketplace and these life science, these tech companies needed space like nobody's business. And then the industrial space is gone. So now office starts getting absorbed because you can put a lab space inside of a, an office location. So, so now we've seen developers acquiring office buildings and they're paying really high prices for them. So when you have a traditional service office, you know, tenant, think of a law firm, accounting, wealth management, what have you, real estate firm. A lot of them have gotten displaced because the developers paid such a high price for them that they can't continue to pay those rents, those income streams. They priced it baked in with getting some, achieving some very large rents from the life science industry. And so the office market blew up. Even retail, retail, you know, Initially, yeah, the malls have been impacted by COVID, but then the community retail locations around town, because everyone's, you know, their drives have been shorter. They're keeping, you know, staying out, not going to big events in the malls in the traditional sense. So that's that has changed. That has had some negative impact. And there's certainly a repositioning of the malls throughout America. But by and large, retail has been very strong. And then multifamily, you know, a safe place to park Cash when everyone's working from home, the apartment, we call it multifamily in the commercial world, that was a safe place for investors to park cash knowing that the rents were going to go up and it was going to get them a very nice return on their investment. So the commercial market has been strong. I have some questions about the future when the Fed has said their stated goal is for the unemployment rate to go up. And when unemployment rate goes up, you and I have talked about this before with your building, when companies are letting go of staff, that means they have less demand for space and as a result values go down and when you see the unemployment rate hovering at three three and a half four percent that means the the job market is very strong very healthy and as a result companies need more space to to house those team members so that's a quick overview of commercial real estate market man i had tim in that space right there i probably had at least five puffs of this beautiful cigar now this cigar right here tim this is 
Florida cigar growers. I got this in Florida the other day when I went for a 90th birthday party at Corona Cigars. Fabulous store down there in Orlando, Florida. And they get these made for them. And I think Drew Estates makes it, but it's sun-grown Connecticut wrapper. How do you like it? It's good, huh? Oh, you're loving it, man. This is a great cigar right here. I've been thinking, you know, this, this question right here, Tim, is what makes a good real estate agent? I mean, there are so many agents out there so many people that hang their shingle with either someone else mostly but what separates right i mean some people are their own broker or something broker's license but most of the people hang their shingle with somebody else but question is what makes a good agent what separates that cream of the crop your timing on that question i just had a uh, i was conducting a training with some of the younger associates in the office and i was getting on them about their work ethic and just not getting in the the office very early and not taking advantage of you know here we are a couple days before christmas the holiday season so a lot of your senior practitioners they've been off you know they start slowing down after thanksgiving and i've been telling some of the younger folks in the office like hey now is the time when you want to grind this is where you can get ahead when some of the others are you know taking their foot off the gas and during that training that i had one of the things that i really tried to impart on them was the commercial real estate industry does not need Tim Goslin. The industry is overbrokered. But yet, how do I continue to do sales and put up good numbers and meet quotas, etc.? And it's because I provide value and I'm a resource for my clients. And I've had clients that are, you know, senior in age where they have told their kids and they've done it right in front of me, you know, when I pass away at some point, you're going to inherit this property. And if you have any questions about the building, if you need to sell it, you need to lease it, whatever, just call Tim. He'll take good care of you. And, and that has come by taking good care of my clients. You know, I under promise and over deliver. And when, when I tell my clients I will deliver X, I will get X done. So that just creates a trust. And that's how I'm able to make my mark in the industry. Well, let me stop you there because you said a key thing. I provide value. My question to you is, in a few short words, what is the biggest value you see yourself providing? It depends. It's really on a case by case. You know, every client's a little different, their knowledge and their background in the industry. But, you know, one way I'll provide value is just by the mechanics of putting, structuring a deal together. Another way is, you know, a lot of owners have a lot of background and understanding about the industry, but what they can't do is separate the emotional aspect. You know, we're all aware of it. Everyone thinks their house is the nicest house on the block. And so therefore they want to get absolute top dollar. And sometimes you need someone just to you know, say, Hey, this is the competition. This is what's going on in the market. Yes, you've got a beautiful building, but we've got to be realistic in what we can achieve. So a lot of it's just by having some honest conversation. Other times it's by providing market insight, letting them know the trends, where the direction things are going, where's the demand from what industries, and then ultimately, you know, under promise and over deliver. If you say you're going to do something, you better get it done exactly the way you said. Yeah, I believe that, folks, because just to be perfectly candid, I have thought about dismissing or firing Timmy a couple of times and I've used him for a number of transactions and the biggest reason I've thought of alleviating him from my services is because he does under promise like I'll get him on the phone and I'll be like Tim this thing's got to be worth like 400 bucks a foot right and he looks at me and he's like well Mayhol, yeah but see your building's like this and it's got too much stuff in it and too many rooms and this wall joins that wall and, and by the time he finishes 
finishes, he's saying, you know, maybe I can get you 300. I got other agents calling me telling me, hey, I can get you 500 because they just want the business. And so, you know, you say to yourself, but deep down, you know, this guy is right. Like he's if he can get you 400, he's going to get you 400. But he doesn't want to promise it. He wants to give you the hurdles up front what it is. He doesn't want to tell you something just that you want to hear it. And so what happened three times is I went from the ledge of firing him to bringing him back in the fold. And here he is sitting in my backyard having a a cigar on today's podcast, Small Business Horsepower. So how about that? Hey, Tim, one of the things I'm fascinated with is, and I don't know if there is a difference because you're right. Maybe it goes down to work ethic and how you treat your clients and all. But just in general, do you see a difference between being a commercial real estate agent and a residential real estate agent? And if there is it, and if there's not, there's not. But if there is a difference in that, what do you feel are maybe two or three of the biggest differences between acting as a commercial real estate agent and residential? Well, I think personally, the biggest difference between commercial and residential it's going to be the emotional element. Buying a your home, your dream home, that is a very stressful and emotional transaction versus in my industry, it's very analytical. You're crunching numbers. You've got a budget. You have a size range because you're looking to expand or you need to contract. You know your staff and what are you looking to do in the future as far as expanding your staff or contracting your team. So it's very much, you know, analytical and there's certain goals and numbers that your clients are trying to achieve. And so you're trying to place them in the best position to thrive going forward with their business. In the residential world, you're trying to keep up with the Jones and the white picket fence, and I don't have to deal with that in the commercial world. So that, that's probably the biggest difference between the two. Tim, another question here. How much do interest rates, as that's what we're hearing about, like how much do interest rates play into this Because, of course, interest rates, you say, well, that's key because that kind of dictates how much your loan's going to cost. Okay, so we get that part of it. But how much do you balance that in your mind versus how much inventory there is in a certain area. So in other words, let's say 3% goes to 5%, but I have a building in an area that has very little inventory and that's a, a bustling area. Do you have kind of a formula in your mind how you balance increasing interest rates versus inventory? Yeah. And, you know, typically you would think that interest rates go up. So therefore the commercial real estate values are going to go down because cost of capital is going up. And and here's here's the reality of what we've seen, at least here in San Diego, is yes, interest rates have gone up to the point where your debt service on a, a monthly or annual basis has doubled. So the same size building, your annual debt service has gone up twice a 2x amount. But so every time that happens, you're going to have fewer buyers in the market because they're going to get priced out. But on the other hand, we haven't seen owners like yourself take a hit as far as values go. Why? Because the inventory has been so tight. There's been a lack of product on the market. So when you have, you know, the supply side is low and you continue to have businesses that are flourishing, yes, you know, it's getting more expensive to own that same building, your dollar doesn't go as far as it used to at the beginning of the year, but also because there's such a lack of inventory, prices have continued to climb. But every time there is an interest rate hike, you do see your pool of buyers decrease every time. As you smoke your cigar, though, look at that sunset over there. 
It's just starting to go down. But what's going to happen is right in front here, actually, there's a TV, folks, <laughs> blocking the front. Because unlike Tim, who's had a beautiful run as a Patriots fan, originally from that area, their Boston area, I'm a sad, pathetic Jets fan, and they're playing the Jaguars tonight. They really need to do something here. It's like a little TV here that's blocking the ocean. But what a view of that sunset, huh, Timmy? This is fantastic, huh? Tim, um, I'm kind of curious, like, how you decide your market coverage. In other words, look, San Diego's a big county, as an example, and I'm sure this applies across throughout the nation. But do you say, okay, I can cover the North County of San Diego. I can cover the South, the East County, the proper area of San Diego and get as many clients commercially as I can in all the hot business parks throughout the whole county, which is quite big. Or do I pick one area in San Diego County make that my focus and really be the kingpin, if you will, the linchpin of one area. I don't know if you get the question, but if you do, I'm curious, like how you decided that when you went into this in your mind, how has it worked out? And if you altered that formula that you go with at all? Well, enjoy your cigar because that one's going to take a couple of puffs for me to answer. <laughs> so let's start at the beginning. I do a lot of work in central San Diego, and and the reason for that is that's where my mentor, I, I had mentioned uh, the guy that was took a trip and then he hired me on afterwards. That was the sandbox that he played in, and it just made life a lot easier when I'm knocking on doors or making phone calls looking to, to get FaceTime with potential clients when they had already heard of the company, the, the broker that I was affiliated with. So a lot of my deals as a result come from central San Diego. And that's essentially where the money flow uh, throughout the, the county of San Diego. I mean, where do all the rich folks, you know, live? La Jolla, Ranch of Santa Fe, Scripps Ranch, etc. And at the end of the day, your entrepreneurs, your small business uh, individuals, they don't want to drive 60 minutes away, even though it could save them a ton of money. Ultimately, they want to keep their commute short although that's going to increase their occupancy costs by being in the prime areas. So that's been a focus of mine. That started when I initially got in the business, my mentor, that was his area. And it was just easier to go down that trail versus blaze uh, something else. And that may be another big difference between the, the residential and the commercial world. I mean, in the residential, it feels like you're all things to all people, you know, throughout Southern California versus I get very specific. So that's a great point, Tim. One of the things that's always bothered me, it's a lot of things, by the way, that bother me, but one of the things that's always bothered me about real estate is this thing about comps. Because let's say my wife and I, which we just did, let's say we put in a nice backyard, we put this in, we do that, or, you know, commercial building, you upgrade the property, you paint it, you put a beautiful garden around it, uh, you do some work on the interior, so on and so forth. You make it viable. Your agent tells you you need to, you know, demolish this wall because people will be able to react and see the blueprint better or the potential of the building because there's less impediments in it. And so you get all excited. And then here comes your broker and your banker and they come in and they walk in. And the first thing they sit in your conference room and here's what they say. I just sold the place next door. And instead of getting 400, I got 300. So you have to look at the comps 
And it's always bothered me because if you go and look at their building compared to yours, yeah, they're similar. Yeah, they're within a mile radius or two. They may even be in the same complex. But I can tell you or tell me I'm wrong, they're not the damn exact same building. Mine may be, have a better paint job. Mine may have, you know, a bathroom in a better place than the other guys. But always you're faced with the last comp. And that last comp, whether it's residential or commercial, bothers me. Is there a way around that comp or why? Why? Because what if that guy, I'm just, I'm asking you a question here. What if that guy or lady who had to sell their property, I'll give you an example, had some cash flow issues in their business, had nothing to do with real estate. It was the way they ran their company. This is a hypothetical. And they have to bail out within a certain period of time. Maybe their loan's being pulled by the bank. So instead of waiting for 400, which was the market, they say, you know what? If I get 350, Tim, I'll just get out of here because I can't take a chance. And so now 50,000 goes in the comp and you're sitting there going, the last comp was 400, the new comp's 350. And of course, a buyer who's going to come in is his agent and him or her agent and him are going to say, well, the last building went for 350 and it was a slightly, you know, bigger space. And now you're asking for 400. So I hope you understand the question, my frustration with the comp. And does Mr. Gosselin have an answer? So a couple things on that. Let's talk about the comps. So one comp isn't going to make the market. So whenever you get an appraisal, regardless of whether it's residential or commercial, you're typically going to have three to five appraisals that are part of that report. And then you're taking the average and you'll make some adjustments. If there was a distressed sale, that'll be the appraiser should notate that or the broker should certainly highlight that for the appraiser to note in their report. Uh, so, you know, just keep in mind a high tide raises all ships and the same thing happens in reverse as well. And then, you know, you were talking about your neighbor and improvements, you know, here's, and this is, this is where, you know, an intermediary can really help out and, and put a deal together. If you're a seller, it's never enough. That is, you know, psychology 101. And then the, the same thing is also true on the reverse. If you're a buyer, it's always too much. And it's my job to bridge the gap between the two. Okay. <laughs> I need to have another puff here as I evaluate that answer. These agents, I tell you, folks, these comps. Anyway, it's a good time to say you're listening to Mr. Tim Goslin. We're so happy to have him today on Small Business Horsepower. What a blast this is. Tim, what about agents who want to get into this business? What advice do you have? And specifically, I mean, there's so many things there, but let's limit it to this. Is working for a big, because there's so many national agencies across the country that have local branches in San Diego, let's say, what are the advantage of working as some of these bigger institutions? I'm sure they're able to parlay more information with each other. Does that help? Because real estate seems pretty localized, even though it's nationalized in a sense uh, in terms of agencies. Or if someone decides they want to work for a small firm or a small independent type broker, you know, what are the advantages and disadvantages of that? Because I'd like for people listening who may want to get into the commercial real estate space to decide, like, how do they enter? 
Well, when it comes to the size of the brokerage firm, I'm a big believer in it doesn't matter how big the brokerage firm is, it always starts at the top with leadership. And you can have fantastic leaders in a small firm where you get to be nimble and quick and you're, you're very stealthy. And then you can have large companies that are just very bloated and can be very cumbersome to navigate and just learning how to work through the bureaucracy of a large system. So it ultimately comes down to leadership, mentors being a part of a great team. But, um, you know, the brokerage industry is not for the faint of heart. I'm an independent contractor, so I am a small business owner, you know, Tim Goslin Inc., so to speak. And, um, you know, you, you got to know when to push. You got to know when to pull. Uh, there's a lot of aspects of the industry that are that can be very challenging, but then at the same time, because it is Tim Goslin Inc. and I want to manage my kids' baseball team or football team, I have the ability to do that. So as a small businessman, I can decide how much time I want to put into it and when I want to put that time into it. So it gives you a lot of latitude, but there's also, you know, you have to, if you want to eat, you got to go kill something. You got to make a deal happen. So there's a yin and a yang. It's not for everybody, but it ultimately, you know, if someone's looking to get in the industry, find a great leader and get under their umbrella yeah that's what it's all about right tim having that mentor that person man or woman who's been there and done that and takes an interest in you because you show them how much you want it and then that person helps you shows you the ropes that's what it's all about whether it's real estate or any other type of small business or even big business for that matter okay well that leads me to this tim what is the best part of this job uh for you like if you have to name one thing that you really enjoy and what's the part of the job that either leaves you looking for more or just maybe in general that you wish yourself that you were better at or something you have to work on? Well, I mean, I think, you know, even Michael Jordan is prime. He was always putting in a lot of hours in the gym and I'm always looking to sharpen my sword. But what I would say you know, and if you listen to some of my latest Tim Talks, the videos that I put out on social media, I have really made a focus these last couple of years on helping my clients and how I'm able to, to create a win for them. And, uh, you know, as an example, the last situation, a recent deal that I had completed, had a, um, a company in 2018, they... They sold their business and a new ownership took over. This was a uh, an automotive business. And uh, the automotive businesses that acquired the the company, they unfortunately, the, the leadership just wasn't there and the business uh, went under. This company had been successful for a good 20 years. And the seller in 2019, he sold the business and did seller carry back financing to the new buyer of the company. The new buyer of the company three years later, you know, you could argue that he bought it at the worst time at the top of the market. COVID happens, everything changes. And he really wasn't in a great position to carry this through. He closes his doors. The landlord says, hey, wait, you have a lease here and you've got a personal guarantee. You still have got obligations. And the landlord referred me and said, hey, why don't you give Tim a call? He can help you out. So I got a call from this company that closed their doors. And after hearing the story and the situation, I was able to find a new buyer to acquire the assets. So the seller in 2019, he got paid off. The buyer that acquired the assets, he also signed a new lease with the landlord. And, uh, and ultimately, the, the guy that had the business that had to close his doors, instead of him going bankrupt, he was able to wipe his hands and uh, walk away without being in loads of debt and 
you know, possibly having to go bankrupt. So I called that a triple win on my Tim Talk video. And it's things like that that really get my engine turning where I'm able to have an impact on lives and, and teams and businesses and growth and or just, you know, in this instance, just land the plane as softly as possible. So where I what gets me going is just helping my clients and adding value and being a resource uh, for them. Tim, I really want you to enjoy the rest of this cigar. I've been listening to you. I'm down to the nub and you're just getting this thing started. And that's great because you gave us so much helpful information today on small business horsepower. Tim, my final question is people want to find Tim Gosselin as far as where you work, what areas you work and where they can find you, whether it's social media or online. Please let our listeners know where they can find Mr. Tim Gosselin. Thank you, Mayhole. I appreciate it. And this has just been your backyard doing this podcast, smoking a cigar has just been a treat. And thank you. Appreciate the invite. Uh, so yeah, you can find me at timgoslin.com, G-O-S-S-E-L-I-N. You can also go to YouTube and just type in uh, Tim Talks Commercial Real Estate. So I'm pretty easy to find. Thanks, Mayhall, for having me on. Okay, Tim, thank you for coming on the program today on Small Business Horsepower. And we hope to have you back in the future. Yeah.